Welcome to the Physics Buzz podcast. Today we're talking to theoretical physicist and author Sean Carroll about his new book, The Particle at the End of the Universe, How the Hunt for the Higgs Boson Leads Us to the Edge of a New World. You might know the Higgs boson as the God Particle. Last July, scientists at CERN in Geneva, Switzerland, finally found the Higgs boson nearly 50 years after it was first theorized. I talked to Carol about why life as we know it would not exist without the Higgs, and what it's like being a famous particle in the 21st century. We'll get right to it. Here's my interview with Sean Carroll. Can you give me a quick pitch for your book? Who is it for and what is it about? I like to think that my book is for everybody, certainly for people who are interested in understanding how the universe works. And we had this major discovery this summer, uh, what we think is the Higgs boson, discovered at the Large Hadron Collider at CERN outside Geneva. And I really want to understand why this is important. That's the goal, to explain to people why they should be interested in this. So I go into both the physics of it, of course, but I go a lot into the human stories. You know, why are these smart people devoting decades of their lives to looking for a tiny particle that, you know, their lives would have gone on more or less the same whether or not they had found this particle. So can you give me a quick idea of why this discovery is so important to physicists? Sure. I think that the Higgs boson is really a landmark discovery in physics. Uh, for a few reasons. For one thing, it's the final piece of the standard model of particle physics. And the standard model is an enormously boringly named idea, theory, whatever you want to call it, but it covers all of the particles that make up our everyday world. And that's a very expansive definition of everyday world. I mean, every particle that makes up you and me, the Earth, the Sun, the Moon, and the stars these are all described by the standard model of particle physics. And the Higgs boson is the final piece of that puzzle. So we understand now how the everyday world around us works at the fundamental level. There's plenty we don't understand at the more complicated level of biology or chemistry or economics, but we understand what the basic ingredients are. So that only happens once, and we've just done it. And is that reason the same reason that non-scientists should care about the Higgs boson? Well, I think non-scientists should care about it for more or less that reason, you know, for the reason that we really have a comprehensive theory of a certain part of the universe, and that part includes you and me, or at least the particles we're made of. Um, you know, it's, it's our universe. It doesn't just belong to the scientists. It belongs to everybody. And I do make the point in the book that the reason why we look for particles like the Higgs boson is not because we're going to be building Higgs boson ray guns or jetpacks anytime soon. It's because we just want to figure things out. We want to discover the ultimate rules. And so it doesn't do any good if we physicists discover those rules and then don't tell anybody. Uh, it's very, very important that we try to convey this excitement, why we think it's so important. And that's what my book tries to do. The subtitle of your book refers to the edge of a new world. So what is this new world that you're talking about? Well, I think that we're going to try to take that Higgs boson, and we're obviously going to study it to death, but there is something special about it. It's a particle that in some sense is more sociable than other particles in the standard model. It interacts quite easily with other kinds of particles. 
So we know that the particles in the standard model are not the end of the story. We know that there's dark matter that's some kind of particle. It's not a particle in the standard model. So we know both on the basis of observations as well as on the basis of theories that there needs to be more particles out there. Hopefully the Higgs will directly let us observe or at least infer the existence of particles well beyond the ones we know about. I asked Sean to clarify how exactly studying the Higgs boson helps you better understand dark matter. In the models that we've written down, in the theories of dark matter that are most popular, the way that dark matter will interact with ordinary matter is through exchanging Higgs boson. So by studying the properties of this Higgs boson, we're hoping to greatly improve our ability to actually look precisely for dark matter. People had been talking a lot about the Higgs boson before it was actually discovered. So when you were writing this book, you were already able to see a lot of the common misunderstandings or misconceptions that people have about the Higgs. So so what do you think are the biggest misunderstandings? It's a difficult thing to explain, the Higgs, and the reason why is because it's not the particle that really matters. It's the Higgs field that fills empty space and interacts with other fields, with electrons and quarks and the W and Z bosons. And in the process, it gives them mass, that field laying in the background. So what the Higgs boson does is just convince us that there really is a Higgs field there in the background. So it's a two-step process in explaining why it's so interesting. You know, Number one, it tells us there's this field. Number two, that field gives mass to other particles. So one misconception is the idea that the Higgs boson itself gives mass to other particles. That's just not right. It's the field lying in the background. Another misconception is that if it weren't for the Higgs boson, you would weigh less. (laughs) And that's not really right. The point is that in you, most of your mass doesn't come from the Higgs at all. It comes from the protons and neutrons that make you up which in turn get their mass from the strong interactions, from the gluons holding together the quarks inside your nuclei. So the Higgs boson gives mass to elementary particles, but the collections of elementary particles inside you get their mass mostly from somewhere else. Did you catch that? The Higgs field gives mass to elementary particles. If a particle doesn't have mass, like a photon, then it doesn't interact with the Higgs field. But quarks do have mass, and quarks come together to form protons, which eventually come together with neutrons to make the nucleus of an atom. So you might think that the mass of a proton would be equal to the masses of the quarks it is made of, but that's not the case, because the proton is held together by a lot of energy, And Einstein showed us that energy is just another form of mass. In fact, the energy holding the protons together gives them far more mass than the quarks. So if we actually turned off the Higgs field, protons, as well as neutrons, would remain mostly unchanged. In fact, they would maintain about the same mass. But electrons would feel a bigger change. If you turned off the Higgs field, electrons would become nearly massless, and thus they would be able to travel much, much faster, nearly the speed of light. And if electrons are moving at the speed of light, they don't make atoms, 
And if they don't make atoms, they don't make molecules. And there's no chemistry, and there's no biology, and there's no life. So the really what the Higgs boson is good for is it makes the universe interesting. It gives some heft to electrons, which can then join up with protons and neutrons to make atoms. And then you can have all the great complexity and complications that we see in the universe around us. Without the Higgs, you just have all these electrons zipping by at the speed of light, and the world would be a much more boring place. And finally, I have to add that the Higgs boson has nothing to do with gravity. We think of the word mass, and we think that has something to do with gravity. And it's true that mass is a form of energy that gives rise to gravity. But even if things are massless, even if there's no mass there, they still give rise to gravity as long as they have energy. So the Higgs boson would still be interesting if it weren't for gravity, and gravity would still work if it weren't for the Higgs boson. Another way to think about the difference between the Higgs field and gravity is this. Remember that photons do not interact with the Higgs field because they are massless. But photons do feel the effects of gravity. A photon can get sucked into a black hole. Okay, back to the interview. So in your book, you talk about the way that the internet and the 24-hour news cycle can really change things for particle physicists making a major discovery. And that can open the door for good things, but it can also open the door for undesirable things like the public misinterpreting the science that is being talked about. So how is finding a new particle different in this day and age than it has been in the past? Well, it is very different. And Lynn Evans, who is the Welsh physicist, who was the guy who guided the Large Hadron Collider from conception, basically, into first operation, you know, he says the last time that they started up a big new proton accelerator, it was at 4 a.m. and there were three guys in the control room and they, you know, flipped the switch and they left a note for the director and they went home. Uh, whereas this time when they turned on the LHC in 2008, it was a major event. There were hundreds of people there, foreign dignitaries. It was webcast live to hundreds of thousands of people. And they're interested in the outcome. They want to know, are you going to find the Higgs boson? Are you going to find other particles? What is going on? And so people talk about it on blogs, in the media, on Twitter. The collaborations are huge, and there are leaks and so forth. So there's been a lot of education on the part of physicists in how to manage this very, very new media landscape. And it's, there's some challenges there, but I think that overall there's no question that it's for the better. I mean, we want people to be excited by what we're doing. We want people to be interested, and if that means they're going to chatter about it, then we're going to have to accept that. Now, we're going to have to learn to both balance the rights of sort of working quietly to get it right before you're ready to go public, and then explain to the public what it is you've actually discovered. But of course, the internet and, and all of this communication also opens up opportunities for scientists like yourself who enjoy communicating with the public which you do through your books and, and through your blog. Well, I think that the blogs are nice because they let anyone who is interested uh, hear the immediate reactions from the professional scientists. And I'm a big believer that there's a crucial role that is played by professional writers and journalists in reporting what happens. But there's a different role that can now be played by the actual scientists who can just informally comment on things as they happen. So... It's a much more diverse and interesting landscape of possible information you can get uh, in the modern world than there was just 20 years ago. So 
It's great for the physicists who like explaining things. Uh, it's great for writers. And it's great for the audience who gets to hear from different voices. In the years leading up to the discovery of the Higgs boson, there were a few false alarms. Times when scientists thought they might have found the Higgs, but they hadn't. Why don't scientists just know when they've found the Higgs? You don't see a Higgs boson. You don't see a little picture and, oh yeah, there's a line that looks just like it must be from the Higgs boson. You see all sorts of things coming out because the Higgs boson is created and then decays. And you need to do a lot of statistics. You need to do a lot of math to figure out is the total number of decays as a function of all the different characteristics that they have, is that what you would expect in a world with the Higgs boson or in a world without the Higgs boson? And that means that it, it's not a single golden event. You just don't take one snapshot and go, aha, now we found it. And you talk in the book about some of the times in the recent past where even scientists, some scientists, got excited about data before they really had clear results. And I think most non-scientists think of science as the place where things are very clear cut, where they're right or wrong, where the answer is yes or no. So can you explain to me a little more why that isn't necessarily so? I think it's a good question. I think that we're in an era now where a lot of scientific results are not cut and dried. You know, they sneak up on us gradually as we get more and more data. And the kind of example I try to use is if you're flipping a coin and you're trying to figure out is this a fair coin that is 50-50 every time or is it a little biased one side or another? Well, so maybe it's a little bit biased. Maybe three out of four times it comes up heads. But you're not going to find that out just by flipping the coin twice right? Getting two heads in a row doesn't tell you anything at all. So you just need to flip the coin an awful lot of times, and it's never a threshold that you go, aha, now we know. It's like, okay, we're more and more certain that this coin is or is not fair. And a lot of science is like that now, and it just takes time. And in the early days, you're going to see a lot of little glitches, a lot of little weird things you didn't expect, and most of them will go away. Some of them will be the next era's great discoveries. So we'll wrap up on this question. In your book, you have this line, at its heart, science is the quest for awesome. So what does that mean and how does that relate to the Higgs? Well, science is trying to understand how the world works. And as science gets more and more precise and, and peeks into realms that are hard for us to access, we see things that don't immediately make sense to us. And when we finally are able to figure it out, it is an awesome feeling at heart. Uh, the, the Higgs boson is a fantastic example of that. This is something that a bunch of physicists in the early 1960s invented, and it took 48 years. And we finally were able to do an experiment that showed that they were right. And so to me, that's the very definition of awesome. Sean Carroll, thank you for being on the Physics Buzz podcast. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. Sean Carroll is a cosmologist at Caltech. You can find more of his writings on the blog Cosmic Variants on the Discover Magazine blog network. That's all for the Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Buzz.